Well, it's an honor to, uh, to share tonight. I know that um, you all treasure Victory Christian Center like we treasure Cr Victory Christian Center, and uh, you're grateful for our pastors like we are because, you know, the words that have come from this pulpit have changed our life, you know, and uh, we've been here for about 20 years, and uh, the, the first uh, week we came, I heard a message on victory, and I heard a message on faith, and to me, it sounded like the Bible, and uh, I had grown up in church, uh, but it was a dead church, and there, it was religion, and there was no life, and the pastor didn't preach from the Bible, and we never heard the word, and the, the Holy Spirit was not allowed to move. And so when I came here and I heard a message of faith and victory and love, you know, my spirit came alive. And so uh, it's really an honor that uh, to have an opportunity uh, to share again. Amen? So uh, I'm thankful. Uh, keep our pastors in prayer. They're on vacation. Uh, uh, for uh, a week or so here, and uh, so I know they, they, they're in Florida. They love being down there together, and uh, I know they're having a great time. And so Pastor Bill just lays on the beach and lathers himself up like butter and lays there for 16 hours a day, and I know that he loves it, and so uh, that's a good thing. Amen? All right. Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, hold them up if you would, in honor of Pastor Bill. The Word of God. The word of God. It's truth. It's truth. If I live the Word. I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Amen. And I don't have a funny joke for you, but I have a funny family. So I'm going to give you a couple of crazy stories that have absolutely no spiritual implications, but they're funny. I have four sons and a daughter. Our oldest son, Weston, just graduated. He's uh, and, uh, and then Luke will be a sophomore, uh, Grace will be in uh, fifth grade, and then the twin boys, uh, Sam and Joe, will be in third grade. And so Sam and Joe, ever since they were born, we were looking, you know, we just had this graduation get-together, and so you look at these boxes of pictures, and we were looking at all these pictures, and, and I saw the, the, the pic, came across the picture where Kelly was in the, uh, in the hospital the day that Sam and Joe, the twins, were going to be born, and I was like, and I just looked at our family, I was like, oh, that's the day when it got exciting. Because we went from three to five. We went from, like, car to no vehicle that really is convenient, right? So it got exciting from that moment forward and uh, a lot of fun times. But uh, a couple that I thought of during worship, not very spiritual, but I asked the Lord for a funny story. And uh, Luke and I were at the theater a couple years ago. And uh, I had some sort of sinus congestion, and Luke's drink was here, and somehow I coughed, <clears throat> right, you know, what? I don't, I didn't know what to do with it, and so I thought it was my cup, I spit it in the straw, <laughs> and uh, sometime, it was Luke, right, or was it Weston? It was him. He's still recovering. So anyway, some, you know what happened. Sometime throughout the movie, he picks up the cup, <clears throat> looks at me in horror, you know, did you spit in this? So, but then Luke's the one in the vehicle. Okay, when you got four boys, right, and you take long road trips, you know, and you want to avoid messy gas stations, so we got all kinds of road of, or pictures of just, you know, little boys peeing along the side of the road, right? But, <laughs> but um, you were driving around town one day, and, and, and Joe had this deal where he wouldn't tell you he had to go to the restroom until it was absolutely critical that he went to the restroom. So it's like, here, go in this cup, right? So in the back of the Suburban, uh, it's not very spiritual. 
But Joe goes in the McDonald's cup, right? And uh, yeah, literally. A lot of in the, fills it up, right? And so Luke gets in the car after practice. This is a true story, right? No joke, just crazy stories tonight. So Luke gets in the Suburban, grabs the cup, and literally takes a big swig of it. That's a true story. All right, we better pray before I talk anymore. What? Uh, that's right. That's the plan. Let's go with that. Bill said he'll be 25 before a girl kisses him. All right. Well, let's pray tonight. Father, we love you so much. We thank you uh, for the opportunity to be together on a Wednesday night. We thank you for your wonderful presence here. Lord, I yield myself to you. I ask you to speak through me in a powerful way. Lord, it's your word that changes us. It's your word, Father God, that uh, renews our mind. And uh, I ask you, Lord, to speak through me in a powerful way. I yield myself to you. We thank you for your anointing tonight on your word that changes us, makes us more like you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Well, it's fun to share on Wednesday night because if you're here on Wednesday night, you're hungry for God. Amen. amen. It's like, ain't no part. I'm Christians on Wednesday. If you're here, it's because you hungry. Amen. All right. Hey, we're going to talk just uh, briefly tonight about the importance of, um, of really knowing who we are in Christ and uh, who the Lord has created us to be and not allowing ourselves to be defined by other people, maybe the words of other people or the expectations of other people, not allowing ourselves to be defined by the culture, not of allowing ourselves to be defined by our past mistakes or even our past successes. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going <clears> to <throat> start in the book of uh, Judges chapter six and uh, Looking at uh, Gideon tonight, in the book of uh, Judges, chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And verse 11 says, The angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the terebinth tree. This is Judges, chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. And he said to Gideon, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Everybody say, mighty man. Mighty. Say, mighty woman. mighty woman. Amen. The Lord appeared to Gideon. And the first thing, the first word from God for this young man there's, there's no other stories of the Lord appearing to Gideon before, but the first word of the Lord to this young man is, you are a mighty man. Amen? And he said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And so then Gideon's response said, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all God's miracles, which our fathers told us about? saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And now listen to the second thing the Lord says to Gideon. Even after that negative, doubt-filled response, 
Then the Lord turned to Gideon and he said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So Gideon said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan or my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to Gideon, now this is the third thing he said. The Lord said to Gideon, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then Gideon said to the Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Okay, then you go down a little bit further. And the fourth thing the Lord said to him is in verse 23. Then the Lord said to Gideon, peace with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And so you go, you read this story of what, of what happened then. These people were oppressing the Israelites from all around, these neighboring countries, these neighboring villages. For whatever reason, you know, the Israelites were planting crops. They were coming, ripping the crops out of the ground and uh, really just severely messing with them, right? And so they cried out to the Lord, we need help. And so the angel of, of the Lord appears to this young man. The first thing he says, you're a mighty man of valor. Second thing he says, go in this might of yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Third thing he says, the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. You shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then the fourth thing he says, the Lord said to Gideon, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And then the rest of the story as it progresses, they, they, you know, they made this call for people to go and fight to defeat the Midianites. Uh, a lot of people, several thousand came out ready to fight. And the Lord said, nope. He said, I want to make sure that everybody knows that I did this on your behalf. And so they whittled it down, down to 300, the original 300. Hollywood stole it, but this is the original 300. And so they whittle it down to 300. And if you turn over to uh, chapter 8... Verse 10 said, Now Zeba and Z Zalmunna were at Karkor and their armies with them. About 15,000, all who were left of all the army of the people of the east, for 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. So God raised up this young man, led a group of 300 men, and defeated an army of 120,000. And, um, you know, when I've heard this story preached on in the past, or even when I've shared about it in the student ministry, I've always said, look, God can use even the least of the least, right? Gideon was the least in his father's house, and he said his family was like the least in the entire area. This dude was down here. He must have had no talent, no gifting, no ability. This, he must have had no education, right? Obviously, this guy had nothing going for him, but God used him, right? That's how I've always shared on the story before. But I felt like God illuminated it recently, 
And God showed me, it's like, no, Gideon had everything going for him. And the truth about Gideon's life was not what Gideon said. The truth about who he actually was and who he was created to be. The truth about this young man was spoken by the Lord when the Lord showed up. Amen. And so tonight, it's so important that you and I see ourselves the way that God sees us. Amen. And the truth of who he sees us as is only revealed in his word and by his spirit. Amen. That's the truth of who we really are. Amen. We are not the words that people have spoken over us. Amen. We're not defined by our past failures. We're not depi- defined by our past successes. Amen. We're not defined by our family tree. We're not limited by the weakness of our earthly father. We're not limited by the, the uh, weakness of anyone in our family. We're not limited by color or race or education or background or the side of the tracks that we grew up on. We have no limitations other than those that we impose upon ourselves through the thoughts that we think and what we believe in our heart. Amen. (laughs) So there's no indication why Gideon, why he felt this way about himself. Right. Because the first thing that he says is, (laughs) Okay, if God is so great, where's all these miracles? The second thing Gideon said was, okay, you say I'm a mighty man of valor, but you obviously don't understand who you're talking to because my father or my family is the least in the entire area, and I'm the least in my family's house. Evidently, that was not the case. Amen? Because the word from the Lord said, you're a mighty man of valor and you will not die. You will save people and I am on your side. Amen. Amen. And so tonight it's so important when we look into the mirror of the word, that's where we'll see ourselves. Amen. And um, four, four places, three places that, uh, that people get inaccurate opinions of themselves three different places where people get an inaccurate view of their identity of who they really are Uh, the first place is other people and uh, perhaps well-meaning people but uh, oftentimes people not speaking the truth into our lives amen and uh, the words of other people can have no impact on our life unless we allow them to have an impact on our life amen The negative words or opinions of other people cannot create some sort of ceiling in our life unless we allow those things to create a ceiling in our life. I grew up in a healthy environment. Probably the greatest gift my dad ever gave me is he said, son, I believe in you and you can do anything. He constantly said that, right? He constantly spoke positive words to me and over me. You may be here and you didn't grow up in that type of environment. The good news is the truth of the word of God is that you are a mighty man of valor. The truth of the word of God is you are a mighty woman of valor. Amen. And your destiny is great. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So look at uh, the book of just talk briefly here about inaccurate opinions of other people maybe even well-meaning people, but the book of Job, chapter 4, verse 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But uh, 
you know, Job was going through a difficult time, uh, difficult situation, lost most of everything that he had. And so he had these friends that, that came to him. And uh, his one friend in the book of Job, chapter 4, verse 12, Eliphaz. You know, something we need to remember about Job is that Job lived before Abraham, the promises that were given to Abraham. He lived before Isaac and the promises given to Isaac, before Jacob, before Moses, before the the promises of the Old Testament law. He lived before David and all the promises that, that, that David spoke of in Psalm. He lived before God revealed his great wisdom to Solomon in the book of Uh, Proverbs, amen? And Job certainly lived before Jesus, and he lived before the Holy Spirit was poured out, amen? And he lived before the Bible. So, yeah, he went through some things, but he lived in a different season than we live in, amen? So the book of Job, chapter 4, verse 12, listen to what his friend said. He said, now a word was secretly, he was talking to Job, he said, a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it, In disquieting thoughts from visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up, but I could, it stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. What does this sound like to you? This is a demon because whenever angels appeared in the old Testament, what's the first thing they said? Do not fear. Do not fear. I bring you good tidings, glad tidings of great joy. Amen. Even though people were afraid when these awesome 10 foot muscular angels appeared, unlike me, right? The first thing they said was do not fear. This was a demon. This is not a word from the Lord for Job. This was the devil appearing to his friend. And now his friend comes and just dumps all this venom all over Job. Listen to what he says. I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice saying to me, Can a mortal man be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If God puts no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, who's that sound like? The devil hates us so much. He's so jealous, right? He has been charged with error, right? And he has no chance at redemption. He was cast out of heaven with no chance at redemption, with no chance of recovery. Amen. And he's so sore about it. And we see evidence of it right here. And and he is just constantly accusing you and me, constantly pouring out condemnation, negative, hurtful words, telling you you're not going to make it, telling me I'm not going to make it, reminding us of our past mistakes, reminding us that we're not measuring up to the standard that has been set. He's constantly just pouring out these accusations. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says, Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses God's people before God day and night day and night he's accusing us it's it's unbelievable can a man be more pure than his maker if god puts no trust in his servants if he charges his angels with error how much more will god charge those who dwell in houses of clay whose foundation is in the dust see we have to rightly discern the word amen we have to know that this is not god speaking 
This is the devil appearing to Job's friend and then his friend going delivering this hurtful, negative, condemning word to Job, even when he's in the middle of all this trouble. How much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust. Men are crushed before a moth. They are broken in pieces from morning till evening. They perish forever with no one regarding. Does not their own excellence go away? Men die even without wisdom. Well, what's the truth? Everybody say, I want the truth. Amen. If you could put up 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, because the devil brings all these accusations. Sometimes he brings them through other people, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This is so much fun because over in the student ministry, you got like 15 minutes. And if you don't hit the window of their heart in like 15 minutes, you might as well just move on, buddy. You all are just like sitting here hungry. This is awesome. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. Say he's made me righteous. Amen. Now look at Romans chapter five, verses 17 through 19. Thank God for his truth. Romans chapter 5, verses 17 through 19 says, If by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Everybody say, we reign in life. Amen. You know, the devil's there. Oh, they're crushed like day and night, crushed like a moth. No, we reign in life through Jesus. Amen. It says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Amen. Amen. And then 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He's given us victory tonight, amen? Victory in Jesus. Victory over sin. Victory over addiction. Victory over depression. Victory over oppression. Victory over our past, amen? Anything that tries to hold us back from being all God has called us to be, he's given us victory over those things, amen? We've got to find our identity in the word of God because that's the only sure place where we'll find the truth, amen? There might be well-meaning people, but it may not be all the truth, right? And if, if, if you were raised in an environment where there were toxic words spoken over you, then look into the word of God and see it as a mirror and find your true identity in him. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. It says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God are God. And the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. 
The devil hates us so much because he has no chance at redemption. And he is that angel who has been charged with error forever. He cannot be redeemed. He hates us because we have a chance at redemption every morning. God's mercies are brand new every morning. Amen. First John 1 9. We confess our sins. He's faithful and he's just to forgive our sins. Amen. We've been filled with the Spirit of God. Satan has no chance at that. He's been cast out of heaven. He hates us. And so all he can do is accuse God about us. Amen. And continually try to remind us and and convince us that we're not going to make it and we're not going to measure up to the standard that maybe people set or the culture sets or media sets or says you have to look this way or be this way in order to be okay. Amen. We've got to find our identity in Christ and in God's word. <clears throat> About uh, three or four years ago, the, uh, the Lord spoke to me in my journal, <clears throat> uh, not in an audible voice, but, you know, heard it in my heart. And, and he said, and this was the first time he had ever spoken anything like this to me. He said, I'll take you as high and as far as you believe me to go. Amen. I believe that's a word for all of us tonight, that he'll take us as high and as far as we'll believe him to go. And for all of us, that's something different. Amen? For you, it may be a best-selling book. For you, it may be an absolute, out-of-this-world, all-star mom. Amen? I think it's different for each of us, whatever God has called us to be. But there are no limitations on how high we can fly, no limitations on what we can do. Amen. I have a brief video for you. It's about seven minutes long. It's uh, some of you may have seen uh, this man. His name is uh, Nick Vojacek. And uh, Nick was born in uh, Australia uh, with no arms and uh, no legs. And uh, this man's testimony is amazing because uh, we saw him at Acquire the Fire uh, a few years ago, and uh, his testimony is just is just amazing because uh, you know from the culture's perspective he's not a real man, right? But uh, he has found his identity in Christ, and uh, he regularly ministers now around the world, uh, crowds of a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, and. Uh, he said, you know, every day he's believing God for his miracle uh, to grow arms and legs. He said, but until he receives his miracle, he's going to be a miracle for somebody else. Amen. So got a brief video here for you. What makes someone extraordinary? Their abilities? Their talent? or simply their smile. When I first met Nick Vujicic, I knew I had just encountered someone extraordinary. From the moment he began to share his amazing story with me, I witnessed firsthand how God is using a man with no arms and no legs to be God's hands and his feet. My dad was saying that he was, you know, his head was next to my mum's head as, uh, as I was being born. And he saw my shoulder and he just went pale. He was hoping my mum didn't see me because he saw that I had no right arm. And my dad had to leave the room and he couldn't believe what he saw. And the doctor came in and my dad said, my son, he has no right arm. And he says, no, your son has no arms or legs. 
and he said he nearly fell on the floor. He couldn't believe it. And the whole church was mourning, you know, like, why would God let the pastor's son be born that way? And my mum, at first, she, she didn't want to hold me. She didn't want to, you know, breastfeed me and all that. Um, she just felt very uncomfortable for the first four months. And it took them quite a while before they could trust in God that he didn't make a mistake, that he didn't forget them or me. Nick's parents gave their fear and even disappointment in their son's disability over to the Lord. They chose to trust God and his promise that he had a plan and purpose, a hope and a future for their son. But as the years passed, Nick, on the other hand, had many challenges trusting in a God that he felt gave him less. I challenged God. I said, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I won't probably have peace until you're in my heart but I will not let you in my heart until you answer me, why? Why did you take my arms and legs? Why didn't you give me what everybody else has? And I said, God, until you answer me that question, I will not serve you. And so I wanted to end it. If God wasn't going to end my pain, I was going to end it myself. So at age eight, I tried to drown myself in a bathtub of four inches of water. I told my mom and dad, I'm just going to relax in the bathtub. Can you put me in the bathtub? And, uh, yeah, I turned over a couple times to see if I could do it. I couldn't do it. Um, the thought that stopped me from going through with it was the love for my parents. Because um, I, I love them so much, and all they did was love me. And I thought to myself, if I actually went through with this, I pictured my funeral, I pictured my parents, and all I saw was guilt on their shoulders, that they couldn't have done more. That would be the last time Nick would attempt suicide, but it wouldn't be the last time he would come face to face with those deep issues that made him want to end the pain. Then one day, Nick's mother had him read an article about a severely disabled man, and that man's story made a huge impact on Nick. <laughs> I have a choice to either be angry at God for what I don't have or be thankful for what I do have. And my mom, she said, Nick, God's going to use you. I don't know how, I don't know when, but God's going to use you. And those seeds started penetrating in my heart. And that's when I started seeing that there is no point in being complete on the outside when you're broken on the inside. And I found out that God can heal you without changing a circumstance. I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I read John 9 at age 15, where a man was coming through a village and a man... Um, this, this blind man from birth, Jesus saw him. People said, why was this man born that way? Jesus said, it was done so that the works of God may be revealed through him. And in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, it says, all scripture is God breathed. And I believe God breathed in me life and faith. This faith came over me. This peace came over me. And I felt like God answered my question. And what Lord, was the question and what was the answer? The question was, why? Why did you make me this way? And the answer was, do you trust me? That's the question. And when you say yes to that question, nothing else matters. But what was it specifically for you that made you say, Lord, I'm going to trust your word because I know it's true. I'm going to trust you even if I don't know what you have in store for me tomorrow. Right. Because there was nothing else I could find. Mm. There was nothing else that could give me peace. I knew arms and legs wouldn't give me peace anyway, arms and legs alone. Um, I needed to know the truth of who I am, why I'm here, and where I'm going when I'm not here. 
and I haven't found that truth anywhere else but in Jesus Christ. And it was in Jesus Christ where Nick found the strength to do what many thought would be the impossible. It's so hard to be strong when people constantly say, you're not good enough, you, you know, go away, you know, we don't want anything to do with you. Nick, you're a nobody. Nick, you can't do this. Nick, you can't do that. Nick, 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 Nick. In life, if you don't know the truth, then you can't be free because then you'll believe that the lies are the truth. But once we realize that when we read the Word of God and you know the truth of who you are, I am not a man without arms and legs. I'm a, I am a child of God. I am forgiven of my sins. I'm an ambassador of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm nothing but a servant of the Most High God. This is not about Nick. It's not about Nick's capacity and capability to become this conqueror. I am nothing. I'm nothing. God, though, lives in me, and I now live in His strength. And whatever Jesus conquered, I conquer. I believe if God doesn't give you a miracle, you are a miracle of God for somebody else's salvation. And I thank God that He didn't answer my prayer when I was begging Him for arms and legs at age eight. Because guess what? Because I have no arms and no legs, He's using me all around the world. And we've seen so far, approximately, uh, this is conservative, 200,000 souls come to Jesus Christ for the very first time in the last six, seven years. And what would you rather? Would you rather have arms and legs, Nick, here on earth and no arms? No. Whatever His will is. Because I'd rather have no arms and no legs temporarily here on earth to be able to reach someone else for Jesus Christ and then spend eternity with them there. In the last decade, Nick has shared his story in 24 countries to over 3 million people. And whether he's talking to a stadium packed with people or one single person, his heart behind the message is the same. God loves you, that he hasn't forgotten your pain, he hasn't forgotten your family. And maybe while you're watching this interview, you've compared your suffering to my suffering. And that's not where hope is, to know that someone else, in your opinion, is suffering more than you. That's not where hope is. But hope is in the name of God, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hope is when you compare your suffering to the infinite, immeasurable love and grace of God. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, that shall mount up on wings as eagles. I didn't need my circumstance to change. I don't need arms and legs. I need the wings of the Holy Spirit. And I'm flying because I know Jesus is holding me up. Don't give up on God, because God will not give up on you. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, amen. You know, the real miracle of you and I discovering <clears throat> Our identity in who God says we are is not necessarily about you and I. It's about the people on the other side of that discovery. Amen. It's about the people that he has for us to minister to. And just, you know, Gideon, back to Judges chapter 6, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said to him, the Lord is with you. You are a mighty man. Everybody say mighty man. Mighty woman, mighty man, mighty woman of valor. Then the Lord turned to Gideon. He said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. 
Have I not sent you? Gideon said to the Lord, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house. The Lord said to Gideon, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Went on to lead a group of 300 and defeated over 100,000. God has great things for us. Amen? And... um, It's so important that we don't get our identity from other people, past or present. It's so important that we don't get our identity from the culture, because as our culture becomes more worldly and uh, gets further away from the Word of God, then uh, our culture is going to increasingly identify people according uh, to race, according to education, According to perceived weaknesses, our culture is going to put people in boxes and say, you can't go here and you can't go there and you can't do this and amen. So we've got to find our identity in God's word and not who the culture says we are or says we aren't. Amen. And the third area is we cannot find our identity in our past failures and allow those things to forever define us. And perhaps our past failures happened yesterday. But thank God his mercies are brand new every morning. Amen. Amen. And uh, we also, I believe we don't want to define ourselves by our past successes. Amen. Hallelujah. We have victory tonight. Everybody say victory. We have victory over sin. The book of Romans chapter 6, and I'll close with this. The book of Romans chapter 6 verse 14 says sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace and second corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 says my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness and john 1 17 says the law was given through moses but grace and truth came through jesus christ amen everybody say i have victory over sin we also have victory over fear second corinthians chapter 1 verse 7 says god has not given us a spirit of fear he's given us power love and a sound mind he's also given us victory over death the book of first corinthians chapter 15 verse 54 says death is swallowed up in victory O death where is your sting O hades where is your victory but thanks be to god who gives us the victory everybody say victory He gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everybody say, I have victory in Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.